You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. backs nice work paul tim are we set to make the jump yep the engines are primed and coordinates for the rendezvous are set all right strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance punch it you're listening to star wars the saga continues your hosts kyle avery tim Jurassi, and paul herman are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey, Star Wars fans. Welcome to the saga continues where the future is bright indeed or whatever Kyle says. I am not Kyle, obviously. (laughs) But I am your other host, Paul Herman, and I've got my other great co-host here, Tim Grassi. How are you doing, sir? Uh, hello, Paul. What an introduction. And yes, the future is bright indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Which <laughs> that is te- like all I, I, I think. Yeah, really quickly. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I was going to say, which technically Kyle used to say on our intro, but now it's his father, Keith, who says it on our introduction now for every episode. So, <laughs> well, I know. I back in the day when I listened to our show, when I wasn't a part of it, he said it. So you know what? <laughs> I'm always gonna credit Kyle to say it because I—I'll be honest—I'm partial to Kyle the way he did it. The, his original, "The future is bright indeed," is just so Chef's kiss. I always—I love that. I always thought I was really—it was kind of funny the way he said it, but just I just—I've always liked it, and I thought it was, it was perfect. So. Anyway, uh, Kyle uh, has obviously was not able to make it today and it all, also had already done the show. I think it was for the Patreon or was it actually for the show? I always, this is where I get mixed up. No, it's it for the Patreon. The regular Rebel Cells show. So yeah. Rebel Cells. Rebel Cells. Excuse me. Excuse me. Okay. Yeah. So that's the, you can get the Rebel Cells on, on all your podcast platforms through the Thunder Quack Network. Um, so Kyle couldn't make it and he also, he already did the review episodes on, on there. So it kind of left an opportunity for me and Tim to have our own little little powwow about yes, Bad Batch season three episodes one, two, and three. And this was, you know, I think um, I don't know. Bad Batch is 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 really turned into an interesting series in a sense that I feel it's 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 like Clone Wars ish a little bit. Not because it looks like literally like Clone Wars, but it feels like it's grown just like clone wars and it you know like in the maturity as far as like the style of stories they tell and we saw the evolution i think right before our eyes from season one to two and after two it really left us in a place of like man like where are things going and it kind of it made me very excited because you know for those of you don't have maybe not listened or if this is the first time thank you for listening but you know, when Bad Batch season one came out, I didn't love it like everybody else. I think it was bad. I just didn't fall in love with it. And season two blew me away. I thought season two was incredible and a, and a fantastic series uh, and season. And I thought 
people are, I couldn't believe how, how much better it was. It felt like it went from like, in my opinion, a 6.5, you know, ish seven, I guess the 6.5 season one was, I think, you know, around that range to like an eight, you know, 8.5. It went up that much. That's a big deal at a 10, you know? So um, season three had, I felt like a lot more people behind it than season one. At least, at least from my, my viewpoint of Star Wars fans and whatnot. I mean, people liked it, but I feel like the excitement for this was a little more like, oh man, we got to get this. And I feel like the trailers really showed how much we're going to, I mean, obviously there's lots of crazy stuff that's going to happen this season, which I almost forgot about, you know, who showing up eventually, Tim. Yeah. That'll be very interesting. when that eventually happens. I mean, it's but, kind of a testament to how great these good. first three episodes are to where you're not yeah. even really thinking about or concerned when Ventress is coming up. You just think, oh, yeah, Ventress is showing up later. That's going to be cool. But yeah, you're just so engrossed to what's going on already in the story they're telling in these first three episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So so anyway, yeah, we're talking about Bad Batch season three and I, episodes one, two, and three. And they gave us a lot. And it's interesting because I think that why why does disney why did disney drop three episodes and that's and i think that is probably the answer to which i'll we'll kind of i want to kind of address first without you know we're obviously gonna be spoiling the stuff so if you haven't watched it go watch it first it's, it's definitely worth watching all three episodes obviously yes. then come back you know listen to us but i just want to say i think it's obviously because he really wanted to really show you um Omega and her like kind of her story and I feel like that's the narrative they really want to focus on and if you look at episodes one and three they're they're, they're obviously connected like they're like you had said like they're part one and two essentially right mm-hmm. whereas the middle episodes kind of like not a, it's not filler it's just like the other side of the universe happening at the same time to get to this next episode but really it feels like they're pushing Omega which is the right thing to do because of how connected these uh, episodes one and three are. Yeah. It was almost like, like you said, they could have put it where this was part episode one confined in the third episode of shadow of tentus were just part one and part two. But I also thought I kind of liked how it was split up when you have the episode with Hunter and Wrecker and showing what they were up to during the time Omega was still held captive on Tantus to where it's, I was glad it was, wasn't where, she already escaped and then we're catching up with Hunter and Wrecker. I do like that dynamic that when we're seeing that second episode and catching up with Hunter and Wrecker, we know that Omega and Crosshair are still held captive up in Tantus. And you're still wondering how and when and if they're going to get out, if one's going to get out, one's going to stay. So I did kind of like how it wasn't just the first and third episode back to back, but we did have that middle one with Hunter and Wrecker. Um, catching up with them while we still know the situation between Omega and Crosshair. Yeah, it, here's here's my question because if those who don't know, it's obviously focused on Omega in the first episode. Then it's um, uh, Wrecker. Uh, I almost said Wrecker. I don't know why. I, I think I've, I've watched Transformers recently. And I, and I <laughs> that, that name in my head. Um, uh, you know, we have Wrecker uh, and Hunter. And then we have back them kind of connecting back into the third episode with Omega and everything. Um, to me, it's it's one of those things where uh, I, my question is, why didn't they make this one movie? Hmm. Like kind of like how what the, do you think the, the very first premiere episode was, where it was like three episodes? Yeah. Hmm. 
like, do you yeah. think that like that because it's short, people will give it more of a chance? Maybe. I wonder if it just comes down to like just the planning and working out the episodes for the seasons because episode the first episode of season one, like we said, it's a, pretty much a movie. It's over, it's like an hour and a half, but that counts just as one episode. It's not like episodes one, two, and three put together, and so and it still makes up that sixteen episode count. So maybe they just didn't feel they were able to kind of make one big long movie and then still fill out the remaining 15 episodes. And they felt that um, the way that the season plays out to just really focus on the story they want to tell, it would be better just to kind of break them up as the regular amount of time for each episode to fill out the season. That's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. I mean, just the way, the way they're structured, the writing team and how they structured the episodes. It was like, we could do this and then make it have it flow for a 30 minute episode, stop it here, then go back to, cause if you, if you did do one long episode of part one and three together, it may, I we'll get into it obviously in a second, but I, it might be a little mundane for people and maybe having that, uh, mm-hmm. Hunter and Wrecker, um, uh, like thing in the middle, kind of break it up is, and, and have it be separate episodes to get a little bit of a break. So going back to Omega and that and that whole thing uh, where she's at is a little bit more like oh yeah we gotta figure out what's going on there is we'll build that up some more which I think I I, I don't see as many responses as you have but we'll gotta get in this first episode here um, which is going to be sorry my, my I have it on my TV now it's taking a long time to load um, what's the other first episode pulled up confined so episode one season three episode one's confined. And it's kind of give a brief, you know, synopsis. Omega is being held captive to um, the scientific, you know, empire team of cloning. And it really basically goes down to her day-to-day existence and kind of why she's there and and why uh is it, is it Lama Sue? And I always get these people's names mixed no. up. No, I say. No, I say Lama Sue is the other one. Ma, la, yeah. uh, Lama say. Okay. Um, why they captured her, why she's there from the whole cloning thing. And just it, the whole episode, to put it bluntly, is a, is basically just a buildup of character and really building up the stakes, essentially, and really driving home Omega's character, which you've said, people online have said it's like slow. I will say this was a f- fantastic episode. I absolutely loved it. And I think it was such a it just it's just really impactful and i just gotta say I, we would not get this episode season one of bad batch and that's why i said all that at the very beginning because when i watch this episode it is such a great job of really enhancing i think the world of star wars and the characters that are that they're involved building up developing those characters you know like going you know home giving us an example and building the stakes of what's going on and just in a really great way in, in what 30 minutes basically. Yeah. And I, I think pe- I could see people saying, like, oh, there's a slow like this. Like I get it. If you just want like lasers firing every five seconds, that's fine. I get it. I love that too. But this is such an important thing in storytelling to really make things matter. And I feel like this we wouldn't get this in season one. And maybe, and that's not fair to the writers and the people developing, maybe because you're it's a little different. But this is the stuff I think that makes Star Wars special. 
you know, like stuff where you sit down, really analyze what the characters are going through emotionally and and everything, and like and you're starting to see like the puzzle pieces come together. That's what makes Star Wars special, I think, because I think that's what George really focused on, you know, in the original trilogy. He tried to do that in the in the in the, in the prequel trilogy. Um, to like obviously the varying degrees of people's subjectivities, opinions, you know, but in the end, I, that's what always he was going for is really get into the characters' mindsets and the environments and, and what makes them tick. So I feel like Confined is a great example of, of just building character and using this to really build the stakes of what's going to come. No, I totally agree because it's not your typical season premiere type episode. <laughs> Like you mentioned, as far as lots of action in it, but and again, I've I've seen some not necessarily as a complaint, but just the fact that it was a slower type episode to kick off the season. But I totally agree with it's such a necessary episode, and this does great character building for Omega and even for Crosshair and the little bit that he's in it, and which comes to some great payoffs in the third episode. But with this one, of course, going into the season, you're not the season premiere you're not knowing exactly what type of episode it's going to be so when it started um with showing omega confined in her cell and you see her meet up with Emery the clone and then she meets up with nala say and you kind of see her daily activities and then it goes into that formula where we see in other shows tons of times where it's just focusing on the mundane routine of someone's daily life it goes back to her sell again things are moving a little quicker because you don't want to spend the same amount of time as you did showing the same thing again but as soon as it went back there i just realized that okay this episode is just going to focus on omega and her situation being captive here on tantas and we're just going to kind of lay the groundwork for that we're probably not going to see hunter or wrecker or any um not going to see them or anyone else or any other planet outside of tantas in this episode so i felt that was pretty clear once we got showing that routine of what Omega is going to. And if you're going to do that and you're focusing on a planet and or this, in this facility that is main focus is on cloning and experimentations with that, I mean, you know, I eat all that stuff up when it comes to cloning technology and just learning more about uh, what they're doing. You do you love your clones? I, I do. And it sucks seeing them being treated the way they were in this episode. They're just being confined to the cells, experimented on. And just seeing the torture that they're going through and just that for a lot of clones, this was their fate after the war was over. And it just sucks to see that. But at the same time, just getting a little bit of more insight to what um, Hemlock, the Empire, what they're exactly what they're doing here. And I mean, it's not too hard to figure out on your own, but just to kind of hear them address it in the series and hear the name drop of project necromancer i was like oh boy <laughs> that's like it's it was great to hear that again after hearing that a project name in the mandalorian season three with the shadow council but the fact that it started just so early on it was just great and just knowing what they're doing with the clones blood samples and how omega is going to fit into that and we'll get into in the third episode but so that's why i yes it was a slower paced episode but i didn't mind it one bit when this is the type of stuff we're dealing with and that's plus just too was uh seeing omega deal with this situation being away from her family for this long and that was the other thing that really surprised me too was just how long they decided to keep omega here and how long she is going to be away from wrecker and hunter the fact that 
pretty early on, we see that there was a big time gap when we see her hair growing out and the markings she's writing on the wall of how many days she's been there uh, grew substantially from Dude. the first scene in the episode. So I was always curious, like, how long was Omega going to be there? And Hunter even see it, says it in the season three trailer saying um, some to the fact that Omega has been waiting for us for too long. So I was always wondering just how long it was going to be. And it seems to be a pretty long time. We don't know exactly how long i didn't count all the markings she made on her wall but it almost seems like it could be close up to a year or something like that so which you know is a pretty substantial well, amount of time which we well and that i'm such a big dummy because i i you know i had i was watching it with my family so my daughter was distracting me i didn't notice the hair length and so i was just re-watching a little bit while we were talking before the show and i i, I we were talking and i went hold on I just realized her hair actually changed. He goes, oh, you notice that? I'm like, no, I thought it was long the whole time, you know? And I'm like, oh man, like I totally missed that. I just like, what? Cause I didn't, ca I caught it when they, when I saw, when I noticed the, you know, initially when she first had it, but I thought for whatever reason, my, I just assumed, oh, I missed it. That she had this the whole time. I thought, which by the way, I thought it looked, she was really cute. Like, you know, like I love the long hair. It was really good on her. I thought she was really adorable. Um, and just kind of, I don't know. It was very interesting to see her that like, become more of like, like a lady. Does that make any sense? It's very interesting, oh, yeah. like, man. Like, because well, because you're you're showing growth as an like as a not just like your hair like if you've been there a long time, but I think it also symbolizes the fact that she's getting older, like maturity wise too. Like it's it's that whole yeah, thing, right? You're you're mm -hmm. you're showing time has has elapsed, but it's also showing that she's smarter, older, and is becoming more like even though she's a kid still. She's still kind of she's gotten more uh, adultish, maturish, you know, if you will. Um, and I just thought it was really interesting, you know, that like this 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 little girl is getting older and starting to understand and still like having that those notions of like family and importance. It was really really cool to see this episode really dive home on that. And again, like we need episodes like this. Um, you know, to to build these moments up like Star in Star Wars, so we can get to those big payoffs, which I think we're gonna get. And I, but I thought they did a good job of keeping the pace like snappy. It never felt slow to me, and I think that's really impressive because I think yeah, I can see where people are, are gonna find the slow, but I didn't think this was a. It, it wasn't an action packed episode. It was not slow in my opinion because the pacing was always moving and i thought that was very impressive so the right whoever wrote this episode hats off to him because this was a difficult episode to write i think to get right i mm. in my opinion because everyone's gonna love this but you need to have it to really set the stakes up and set everything kind of going forward they did a phenomenal job of keeping that pace going all the way through and i think like hemlock everything like we're building up that whole thing which we get that in here in, in a couple episodes but i didn't know i just really a couple things here. I don't know how much I will, I'll save a lot of my, 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 my predictions for necromancer for the third yeah. episode three, obviously. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, like when he said necromancer, we kind of knew what he was, what was going on, but this is where I, I say, you know, the sequel trilogy, needs things like this to help build it up. And I'm not saying, like, I don't want to try to give excuse, excuses for the sequel trilogy, but I'm just going to say this, the more they dive into it and they connect the sequel trilogy directly to things like bad batch, the original trilogy, the clone wars, et cetera, et cetera. 
the more it makes sense in the universe. And that's exactly what the comic books and all did back in the day. Something didn't make sense. They interconnected it with something else. Not, and I say that like the Marvel superheroes and DC stuff, like not the Star Wars comics. We're talking the, the original inner, you know, continuity that, you know, the, 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 the Marvel and DC really helped bridge and build up. Right. They're doing exactly what the Clone Wars did and what the comics, all those old comic book companies used to do. They're doing this now. And to me, it's only, it only is strengthening the sequel trilogy. And I think that's very, it's fascinating that I feel like it's already enhancing the, 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 the movies because Necromancer and, and we'll get to it here in a little bit, but it's all, we'll, I'll get to, I'll finish my, my thoughts there, but I just want to throw it out there a little, little tease and, and you can comment too, but this episode really does deliver that like okay we're we're getting into like sequel trilogy kind of connections like yeah. mandalorian and everything which is really great no definitely yeah it gave you that excitement to learn more about it and thankfully we were able to learn about it just a couple episodes uh, later we didn't have to wait too long but yeah this another great thing too about this episode is just how it established and going back to the how long omega's been there and just how she's still trying to maintain that connection and relationship with crosshair as he's locked up in there too. And just as she still views him as one of her brothers, even though he might not think it. And you're just seeing the kind of like that hard shell that Crosshair had just kind of fade away the more Omega goes to visit him, even though he tells her to go away and stop wasting time on lost causes like the Hound. And then he goes to himself and says himself and just how he belongs here. And just kind of, he's accepted his fate for, realizing after like kind of the bad things he did by following just strictly following the empire's orders and he probably thinks in his mind that this maybe is a suitable kind of fate for him after what he's done but i just love the the line omega said afterwards where it's like no one belongs here um speaking of obviously her him and all the other clones that are being used for experiments right. and we'll get to it again in the third episode but this was this is what makes this episode so great it's just the setup that it built for these characters and so what they're going to go through in the third one but it was just the foundation was all laid here or laid out in this episode and even though we didn't see all the interactions crosshair and omega had we know it was almost like omega made it part her of her daily routine before she went back into her cell that she would always check in on crosshair and see how he's doing so where it was like at the first time we see them converse he was telling her to go away why are you doing this but then the second time when she kind of tells him about uh the hound uh what was the hound's name a batcher and he was just saying like why are you wasting time on him like what's your mission what's your objective like he's kind of showing that he wants to see her succeed in her plan of escape and making sure that she follows up on that to where before he couldn't care less <laughs> if she was had a plan to escape or not so again just showing that relationship building here building up here and what's going to have a great payoff later on so just excellent use of the characters here in this first episode yeah and a couple of things before we move on i the whole doll thing was just killing mm. me my, my daughter was watching it and she was like i go because she might because uh my friend jonah had made uh lulu a, a puka yeah for, right. uh, when she was born and um still it, i i won't let it like it hangs up in her room i won't even let her play with it i'm like i don't want this thing to get destroyed it's like it's, <laughs> it means too much to me and she loves she loves it too um, you know, she used to, we used to let, let her sleep with it and stuff like that, but like, I don't, I, I'll have it up so my dog won't destroy it. Um, and uh, but she has like the Tuka doll, like they keep 
keep referencing back and she has like the one she makes and like she's like she's got a stuffy like she keeps calling her stuffy and then like when <laughs> she takes it away i was like it, it kills me man but then when she leaves at the very end i was like oh <laughs> i love that like like it was again this episode was not action-packed but it was such a great built mm -hmm. character build-up and development it was like i thought it was brilliant and kudos to the writing team and whoever wrote this episode i thought they did a brilliant job like honestly this is a this will go down as like maybe one of my favorite bad batch episodes just because of how this and when i say that in a, in a, in a very bad favorite bad, bad bad batch episodes that's not like the obvious one if that makes any sense like it's one of the better written episodes out there like in my opinion so um anything else before we move on to the next episode i would agree and i would just like Another thing that I liked in this episode too that we're gonna see again have another payoff in the third one, this Omega establishing that relationship with the Hound, uh Batcher, and just kind of yes. that connection they had. And I love the ending of the episode where she's feeling like all hope is lost for her and she just looks out the window and she hears the the hound the hound yeah, howling dude. out in the moon and that shot of we see it on the the ship that crashed, which by the way, that opening sequence or shadowing it was yeah. it looked beautiful. Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, it is so cool and eerie. But to end the episode with... Because, yeah. No, I'll just say real quick, the end the episode with Batcher on that sh crash ship, howling out in the moon, and then the episode just fades out. It was just so well done. Right, because it's it's foreshadowing and also how it's a brilliant writing because in the very beginning, you're establishing how, how, how it's dangerous outside, mm -hmm. why you don't want to leave that Batcher out there, and why it's hard to escape out there. But then the ship's out there, right? Yeah. And then the fact that, like, the very end that the, the hound is howling on it, you're for it, it's like chef's kiss, y'all. Perfect. Like, yep. that is you're again, you have 30 minutes, you have a very mundane episode as far as like no action. So, you get in, you knock it out of a park, you establish, and then like you build up, you end on there. It's like, oh my god, it's perfect. This is a great, this, yeah. is, a, this is a great, great written episode. At first, I was a little so, worried when I heard the howls because. I thought what Hemlock said Same. came true. Yep. Mm -hmm. She was just going to get destroyed yep. out there by other mouse, by other monsters. And then Omega hearing that was like, oh no, like she's accepting that Hemlock was right. But no, it's kind of, maybe she doesn't realize it just yet, but it's just like kind of that, it gives that sense of hope that Batcher was able to get out and escape that. Then maybe Omega can as well later down the line. So again, just some yeah. great ways to look at that with the relationship with Batcher and glad it's going to continue <laughs> later on as well. Yeah. All right. Um, next episode, we've got Pass Unknown, where Hunter and Wrecker are basically, uh, for lack of a better word, hunting Hemlock's bases <laughs> to try to find Omega. Um, sorry. Uh, you know, what else am I supposed to say? Uh, they're going for they're looking at bases. And do you remember the again? I don't have all this in front of me. Do you have the name of the planet by chance to go to? Uh, I do not, unfortunately. Which, well, I'm I'll keep talking. Set me up, but. It's okay. You give me. I'm setting you up with softball. I'll, I'll take it from here. So Hunter and Wrecker, they're they're flying around. They're looking. They went up on a planet and they meet other clone cadets that were previously there from the base that Hemlock had, had abandoned. Which we'll get the name to you momentarily, because I, I just I want to make sure it was not a name I'm familiar with. Because this was again, this was not like I think this was a fine a fun episode. You need you need to have a for lack of a better term a palate cleanser for this episode for this season because you had the very more slow methodical 
confined, which I think is brilliant. But if you did me like three episodes that in a row, that might wear thin after a while. So I think getting some good old fashioned action, Star Wars action in this was was a definitely a go to. Yeah. Um, you know, the planet is basically like I think like uh Yavin 4 with living plants, which I thought was a really cool touch. Um, which I have a lot of questions about this 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 beast here. We'll talk about here in a minute. Um, basically <laughs> Hunter and Wrecker, they go to the planet and meet up with some clone cadets. They're trying to find uh, the location of Hemlock's base. They had to go deep in the tunnels of an old abandoned base to get these other coordinates. And um, they get stuck with, with this vine monster thing, which will quote unquote vine. We'll get to that in a second. And they get basically the, the uh, clone cadets they were with were almost going to abandon them, but they come back and uh, use the ship to get on and save them they get their coordinates and they they take the the, the cadets with them right if i'm not mistaken they do, yes yeah um okay, this is where my mind starts wandering off are they do they have them still when they because they don't see him yet in uh that's right they don't because we don't see it they don't they obviously don't save omega and, and crosshair no. so we don't see yeah. him again so yeah i mean two things the jungle planet it's a world named Setron, as Wikipedia says. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, StarWars.com let me down. I thought they would have the name on their description. I didn't. So yeah, <laughs> I don't look at oh, oh, Yeah, Wikipedia is always where I go. I don't screw StarWars.com. No offense, people. I know who work on it. Not you guys. You guys aren't going to have it as fast as, as the nerds. Yeah. So shame on me for not knowing and then going not to Wikipedia first. But, but the episode ends where Hunter's talking to those cadets, pretty much saying, we have an island where you could like stay safe and kind of decide who you want to be, which is obviously referring to the planet Pabu, which we saw in season two. So he didn't actually say the name, but it's, there's no other place he'd be talking about and how he described it. So it's just assumed that they dropped him off there. Right. Which yeah, part of me was wondering to... though, yeah. part of me was wondering, are they going to stay as part of the crew? I mean, there's only two of them. Like is Hunter going to maybe see if they want to join up with them? But at the same time, it makes sense with how the episode ended where they, made a point saying where you don't have to just be soldiers anymore. You're free to choose what you want to do. And now they'll have that opportunity to do so. Yeah. So what, what's your take on this episode after watching it? I really enjoyed it. And because it's one of those episodes where, yeah, it's a good kind of stopgap to catch up with Hunter and Hunter, Hunter and Wrecker. <laughs> like I said before in the beginning of this episode and how I thought it worked well in these first three episodes of season three having this one in the middle here and just going on a fun adventure too but um you know me and uh, with clones it's just another avenue that i'm glad they're exploring here in this episode that i didn't think we get to see which the series has done exceptionally well over the course of its three seasons and now in this case in this particular episode we're seeing how the cadets react to no longer having a place in the galaxy we've seen what the clones who were already troopers and soldiers and what they're going to do after the war. But we never got to see and go through the mindset of a cadet who never got to be a soldier. And all they grew up with and expecting to be and looking forward to was being a soldier. And that's it. And now that's taken away from them. And again, just another tragic end to this, to more clones here where they were just abandoned and left on this planet by the empire with no hope, but just kind of seeing the reactions of these cadets just i wish i will say i wish the episode dove more into that um just 
of that yeah. scenario and their mindset of what they're going to do with themselves and not knowing what to do <laughs> without having that end, end of the line scenario of them reaching their goal of being soldiers. And, but it was just kind of great to get a little bit of that perspective, at least in this episode, just seeing like how, what these cadets is going through their minds and um, how they're dealing with the scenario that they're in. I mean, that's bad enough to, if they were never going to be, if they were, obviously we know the clones were decommissioned they're we're going to be phased out of the empire and that's bad enough for the cadets to deal with but with these three here are the only survivors on this planet that hemlock was doing experiments on and then just to be totally forgotten and left to die and not reaching your goal in life that's all you were preparing for it's just it's going to mess with you and just obviously it did a number on the clones these three cadets at least two of them to where they were even going to abandon their other fellow cadet as long as they found a way to escape, but yet they still had that sense of honor amongst themselves to go help them. And I did like that um, one cadet. Sorry, I can't remember the name of him right now, but the fact that he wanted to immediately help out Hunter and Rucker in the scenario to try to help them at least get the information they were looking for, knowing that there's still that, you know, that camaraderie, if I could say the word, uh, with the clones, that respect they have amongst themselves, even though obviously Wrecker still refers to them as regs uh, but knowing that they're still all clones and that one cadet still felt the need to help him out here so i just really like the idea that because i wasn't expecting this episode to dive into that i did see like a screenshot from this episode before i watched it and at first i just thought oh hunter and wrecker going to this new planet and they're going to meet this, you know this local kid who is an inhabitant and he's going to show them the way so once um they do run into these cadets and they were actually clones um younger age clones i was like oh cool <laughs> this makes it even better that uh the, the people they're going to be partnering up in this episode are younger clone cadets and we're going to see through their eyes and through their experience of what it's like for them during this era where there are no more clone troopers so just a lot of cool stuff and different avenues that i like that they explored at least a little bit again i wish they kind of dived into it a little more but seeing what these clone cadets are going through they're just through this time period here. Yeah, I, I think it was really cool to kind of get that, that different mindset of where clones are at this time and kind of like, oh yeah, like there's younger cadets out there probably, right? That are kind of roaming around. Yeah. It was kind of a good reminder of that and kind of where they're where the clones are at everywhere. It was interesting because again, my daughter is kind of understanding what she knows what clone troopers are. She kind of knows who Rex is. You know, because that toy I got at the mm. at the uh, flea market last year, she kind of knows Rex and like who clones are because she knows that like, their stormtroopers are different than clone troopers a little bit. Like she kind of gets that. Um, but she saw them and goes, "Are they the same?" <laughs> it was really funny <laughs> the way she said it, and I was like, "Yeah, they're clones." She's like, "They're clones." I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "Huh?" Like she's kind of like, "Huh?" Looking at them, and um, but yeah, it was really cool to see like that aspect, and again, like really embracing the whole idea of like clones kind of like again like an obi-wan tv show when you had uh you know morrison out there you know panhandling with yeah. obi-wan was that was a great that was a great moment that, that will go down as like an underrated moment in my opinion it feels seriously like. yeah that, that that to me was an important an important they didn't have to do that and the fact they went out of their way to do that really i thought was a good idea because it brings everything kind of together and makes it make makes it make more sense and like and have it all be connected and it really feels like these animated shows are just they're so good at connecting things whether it be clone wars rebels or you know or bad batch or young jedi adventures which i'm not 
give Star Wars Resistance the time that that, that word. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> by the way, it, I just want to say, connected, I but just not in the yeah, way the other series. It, did. <laughs> it, it connected. It was in Star Wars, and they flew around. and They had like a really cool gold uh, person in chrome armor. Uh, anyway. Uh, Maybe I need to rewatch the series once again and just be like get an idea of what's up with it and just kind of there's there some see, genuine oh, good episodes. Ooh, in that there. sounds rough. Um, <laughs> there was, there was, there were some genuine good episodes, but that second season, I gotta tell you, I, I think I watched it while I organizing Star Wars stuff, and I remember I, I just was like, I'm so glad I'm not giving this my full attention. It was that, that not great in my opinion. Um, and by the way, really, just one more real quick like deep dive or kind of side side conversation. I meant to say this at the very beginning. Star Wars Young Adventures just ended their first season. Um, and so it's like 25 episodes total. Um, and uh, I got to tell you, like, I had a blast watching them. I felt like definitely got better as they went on. And they're not like anything like Bad Batch, obviously. Or it's, you know, it's all anybody in our audience. But there is a, I will say this, Tabor, the main, like the main bad character, does have an overarching story eventually. And uh, I just, well, I have heard there was a ahead, pretty sorry. cool reveal at the end <laughs> or like, something. dude, dude, I, someone messaged me and goes, have you watched it yet? I was like, nah. And they're like, let me know what you do. I'm like, well, that's interesting. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll explain later who that, is, who that, uh, that whole thing was later, Tim. But okay. and then I, I saw, I'm, I, I'm I still like, need to watch I, those like, myself too. No, no, and I'm not going to tell you what it is either because I want people to watch it. it listen, I've gone on record, and I, I stand by what I say. It's not like in a movie. It's not going to like groundbreak, groundbreaking stories, but they do enhance the universe a little bit in like just of like, you know, planets and spaceships. And these are things in canon that are going to matter eventually. They're going to, these are going to be logged in and users reference for later. It us be real. Right. And they can be used later on for like, what maybe they want to use a planet for this, but we just put some, with some aliens on it. Well, we have this planet that was introducing young adventures and you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. Like mm. this is the stuff where it, it's going to be used here. Tabor before the reveal was already my favorite character. I loved. He was hilarious. He reminded me of Lord Helmet from Spaceballs, <laughs> like because because I felt like the same energy, kind of. But I'll just say this: this last batch of episodes, they they got me, and the last episode is legit. I was like, oh man, because every episode is about two episodes a piece, so like mm. like, like eight minutes or like, like ten minutes long, whatever it is, you know. So it's like any if you watch any kid show on Disney Plus, that's so aimed at toddlers, like my daughter's age, they're all going to be like Bluey, Spider, Spidey and his amazing friends. They're all about like one episode is like two episodes, like two stories, but the last episode is one story. Oh, okay. It's a whole twenty, which that was like, it's called for light and life, right? And I was like, oh man, okay, like that 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 got my attention. And I watched it. I'm like, that was a pretty cool episode. Like, it was pretty cool. Like, I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. It's not, I, you go put it on, like, while you're doing something, washing the dishes or, like, whatever, like, kind of, like, busy work you can put it on. You're going to enjoy it. 
You're going to get most of what you need. It's fun. You know, if you have kids, I 100% get watch with the kids. It's, my daughter doesn't love it as much as I want her to, but she likes it. I'll make her watch it. She likes it. She doesn't want to watch it herself, but that's fine. That doesn't, you know, doesn't bother me. Um, but we watched like the whole sec like, second half of the new like batch they released in a row on Saturday. And, and she wanted to watch the last one, which was cool. And that was great. And the Tabor stuff is pretty fun. It's nothing ground. I'm not. I'm not trying to, you know, hype it up. It's not like a groundbreaking thing or anything, like bigger continuity. But it's pretty cool what they've done. And I, I gotta say, like Tabor is easily my favorite character. After and then probably Nubs after that. Like Nubs is great. I love Nubs. It's hard not to love Nubs. So, but no, all, I like all the characters. You know, Kai, Liz. Um, you know, um, it, it's super good. So. Don't don't sleep on Young Adventures, especially that last episode is, is really good. So throw it out there. Like seriously, go what whatever what you should probably do is go play a video game like on your on your Switch or whatever, Tim, while you're watching it. Like this kind of something you can kind of like just kind of half pay attention to, kind of get through it, get the idea, and then watch then legitimately watch that last episode. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, no, if I see, I don't I don't even want to do that. I want to give it my full attention and watch it. It, it is, listen, I, I I always say that. Be, yeah, I only say I mean, that because obviously I, I know want, it's for a really young audience. So, but hey, it's still I know, Star Wars. I know. So. It's it's worth. It. I, I have. I honestly think I've, it is one thousand times better than Resistance. I people like want to hype up Resistance, and I don't want to put those people down. That, that's within the right. I I I one hundred percent think with even without watching, even without having a kid, I think it's a better show by far. It doesn't look as good, obviously. The and I love the animation style of Resistance, but yeah, new new Jedi new Jedi Adventures, young, young Jedi Adventures is super fun. So go check it out. All right, so we go one thing before we, we get off the paths unknown. Almost really quick, and we, we went on the shadows of Tantus. Uh, that vine creature. First of all, do you consider it a vine creature? And all those like cool like little things flying at their faces. That was cool, like little, like little baby things, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. That was great. That reminded me of a Starlack pit. Is that a Starlack pit? Hmm, I, I don't think so. Well, I mean, they were experimenting, so maybe <laughs> it was a Starlack pit that was right? experimented on and got mutated into what it was with the vines and everything. But it did seem like it was part. Of, it its reach was really massive as far as being out in the forest. Um, and the vines that they would touch would be a danger to anyone who crossed them in there. But that's main part was obviously in that lab. So probably not, but he definitely got Sarlacc pit vibes. That's that's for darn sure. And also on uh, Umbara, the creature that was on there that uh, the clones used to subdue uh, Ponkrell. So we got that vibe with it as well. And it, it also mm -hmm. reminded me of a Final mm -hmm. Fantasy creature called the Malboro, <laughs> who was like, what are these pain in the butts encounters and monsters that you face in almost every final final fantasy game so those are the three things i thought of when watching it but i will say i don't know if you felt this way paul but just with how it was animated when they were in the base and they first were kind of encountering the creature in its vines and it's in like the little other creatures that would come out of it the way it moved it looked like it was stop motion animation to like the old school type way of doing monster movies and monster effects mm. it just like i don't know if that was intentional or just something that i was seeing but i just got that vibe and look to it as, as the vine and the creature moved in certain shots 
No, I, I, I totally see that there. It would make sense. But yeah, like I, yeah, it was, I, I like the creature again. This was a really fun episode. I, I thought it was a good, good kind of like uh change up from the previous episode. And then, and honestly, you know, again, the, the strengths kind of go segue here, the strengths from confined going to pass unknown really build again. You, you go straight into action, a lot of fun, a lot of good fun Star Wars action. We all love going to the shadows of Tantis. It really does kind of set up Tantis to be a little bit more like, oh, we're coming back here. You're, I can see, I can understand that people were trepidatious, but I feel like they did a good job of setting up that with confined after pass unknown that something was going to give in this third episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like the so, big one's coming, <laughs> how things was going to end, at least with the first three yeah. episodes. But before so the, third, the last yeah. thing I want to say about yeah, that's unknown, yeah, um, was that yeah. when we first were introduced to the two clone cadets who meet Hunter and Wrecker, I was kind of surprised that, oh, that doesn't sound like Daniel Logan voicing the clones. And it wasn't, it was actually Julian Dennison who, um, who was in Deadpool 2 and uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. And, but then once they got to kind of their leader, Max, you knew right away that was Daniel Logan voicing it because he was a little older than them. And you know, I said this after the trailer and kind of the things I'm hoping for is that we'll see Boba Fett eventually show up. And I think he might be the age of what this clone cadet is here. I'm not saying this clone is Boba Fett, no way, but just the fact that they got Daniel Logan to voice a character here that um, because they're going to use him again later on in the season as Boba. So it was cool that they got him back to voice this older clone. Um, but I couldn't help but think that that's not the only reason that Daniel, or he won't be the only character Daniel Logan will be voicing this season. So maybe it was just a sign of, I'm kind of hoping it was a sign of things to come that we'll be hearing Daniel Logan again later on as Boba. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, so so I think Boba Fett, I, I think you have to have, there's too many connections in like of his legacy. Yes. Yeah. To be honest. So it feels like he has to show up at some point. Um, Shadows of Tantis. Now, this is where, you know, Hemlock gets notified that the Emperor is coming to see progress of, of obviously, of Project Necromancer. And that's a big deal. And we have his, you know, the Emperor's arrival. We have Omega, you know, learning more of what's going on. Because uh, doesn't, is this the episode where she learns, like, that she tells her, like, you know, I'm trying to hide you essentially. Correct. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So, um, again, I already forgot her name, but is it Mama Sue? <laughs> Nalase. Nalase. God dang it. Uh, God, so I'm so bad with these names. Nalase. Nalase tells, you know, Omega basically reveals to her what we've seen in confined that she's trying to basically protect her, that she's the key and to, of cloning. And, so, you know, kind of run up, you know, basically have that. She essentially uses everything to her, you know, she basically gives her the key, uh, an iPad, <laughs> pad, whatever you want to call it. I call it an iPad, see through iPad, uh, to basically get a key to go through everything and, and break out crosshair and use a ship that we saw the, uh, the hound on Thatcher. I think that's the name of the character or the, the gotcha. animal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Howling on to use that ship to escape. Um, but they end up not, they end up stealing the emperor's ship. That's there. Um, I believe it's it, it sealed the emperor's ship, right? No, it's not. not. It was just, 
It was just a patrol ship that was out searching for them that they hijacked. That's right. That's right. Okay. 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 That's right. That's right. Because they they found her and then uh, Crosshair took him out. That's right. And, and uh, everything. That's what, that's what happened. So anyway, kind of there's a couple big things with this episode, which again, because we have like the obviously the rebel commandos or the Republic commandos show up. That was awesome. Seeing them in action. Again, again, that's more of an Easter egg for all you old school fans. I haven't finished playing that game, but that's like, you know, a, a cool Easter egg that they can bring in and really utilize and, and fun. Great to see them out, out in action. Um, you know, and just, it's just really cool to see Omega and Crosshair. You're seeing Crosshair's arc come full circle, which is great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, which I'll, I'll kind of let you, that's more of your department, I would say. I, that's all, I know you love Crosshair. He's your boy. So I'll, I I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. get to him in a second. But I really want to, to me, I, I want to get into what I think to me gets me most excited because this is episode three. We've got a long ways to go, obviously, before we get to the end of the this, this series. And I feel like there's a lot more character building that's going to be going up. So I feel like this is, is an important episode. But for me, I, what really resonated with me watching, watching this was the importance of Omega, right? And what she represents and what what will happen to her. And maybe she might have more ties to Ray than we realize. In my opinion, like, <laughs> like, because I thought it was interesting that the callback, I mean, the whole like days on the, on the wall thing was like, whatever. Mm. I thought that was a very interesting, I was like, oh, that's a Ray thing. Like, yeah. obviously it's not like a Ray thing, you know, but it's a callback to that. Right. Or no, it's in a, Star you know, Wars, it's a yeah, Ray it's a Ray thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. So because of her, of Ray's, you know, connection with, She's not a clone per se, but her dad was. Um, yeah, but even him's like technically I, a clone, clone, <laughs> like to the definition. But I, I just, I, but I'm just gonna throw it out there. I, I thought it was interesting. I was like, you know, there's, there's something here with that, and I'm wondering where Ray falls in line with that because I feel like she's what because omega is not really a, is, is she a clone or is she an unaltered clone and that's because she's is she a clone because she, she's a whole different person you know what i mean no yeah like well from see i only had time to rewatch season two before season three i didn't rewatch season one um where she kind of explains everything in the first few episodes to the bad badge but she she feels a connection to the bad badge because she felt she was kind of you know, not experimented on, but tweaked a little bit in the cloning process, like they were enhanced. Um, so that's why she feels that connection with them. But we never knew what was her like special ability that each of the other Bad Batch members had. But now we might get a little <laughs> clearer indication of what that could be. So I think she's kind of again, she's referred to the Omega, where Boba is referred to as the Alpha, according to Kaminoan records. So I think in that sense is where she doesn't have the. Um, age acceleration like boba but she was you know kind of tweaked a little bit like the bad batch were given enhanced abilities so not kind of like a pure yeah. clone replica yeah that, like boba was but so to an extent yeah because so that yeah and that's why i would say like you know they because it feels like again that's what ray's father was she's so she's kind of like ray's she's kind of like ray's father and that's why i, I feel like there's a connection there 
Like there's some there's something weird there. So I almost think that her blood will be used to help. Like there's like again, she's gonna be loosely connected to Ray in, in a sense because her blood is is what's like keeps clones like active, like special. And I feel like there's probably they're gonna get her not she's gonna be fine, but there's gonna be something where it feels like they're building up the Emperor needs Omega and they yeah. get only so many chances of of her blood or whatever. And then whatever, so they can't because they couldn't just do endless amounts of tests, right? Mm. So it feels like what's in my prediction, it feels like this episode they're really emphasizing the necromancer thing, which I think is great. This is yes. <laughs> I love this. So it, it I say all that from earlier to, to now. So I want to get to I think that the blood of Omega is what's gonna help create um Ray's father, and that is kind of like where her where Omega's connection and legacy lies in Star Wars, as far as like connections within mm. everybody, that's where I think her connection, like she, he will exist essentially because of Omega, and because therefore Ray will have like some kind of like I don't want to say DNA, like I'm not trying to bring it back to like they're blood addicted by blood, like I don't want to bring <laughs> that into it necessarily, but like I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again, as you know, as you know, Tim. Well, but you know what I'm saying? Honestly, though, like, I think it would is... be kind of kind of cool if Ray had a little bit of clone DNA in her. <laughs> I think that would be fun. No, no, no. I, I honestly think that I think that's what I think because I think Omega is the key to unlocking that, but because she'll probably not be like this uh, a donor, a permanent donor for yeah. the pal for Palpatine, they're gonna have to only do it so many times. So they're gonna be like, oh S, we you know, SH, we gotta like make a clone well we better let's do one this way if that doesn't work we'll do one this way and we'll do them that way that way we ensure that we'll have like a you know because they don't really establish that like how many people they've gone through you know at least for my if i can remember correctly so which they shouldn't because of things like this to set up great storytelling because i think this is going to set up to where She'll be the key of creating whatever his name is. I forgot in Shadows of the Sith, which is a good book, but I forgot what his name was. Is it Davin? Ethan. Is that his name? Ethan. Ethan? Ethan is like with a D. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dathan. Yeah, yeah, no, no yeah, but I, I was close. It was a V, it's a T. Okay. Um, yeah, Dathan. Dathan will be connected to Omega because of the clone DNA that he has that helps keep him be a permanent like clone and not you know, accelerate and, and everything. Yeah. So, and have the, I mean, and maybe how about this opens the possibility to have force abilities because of what maybe she represents. Cause maybe she does have force abilities. Well, right. Yeah. Cause that's where our, that's kind of where my mindset went, where Go it was for revealed it. Yeah. where her M count slash midi chlorine count <laughs> was the one that was able to be transferred without any degradation or loss to it, which means that, or how I took it, that, the Kaminoans were already experimenting with trying to make a clone with a high midi-chlorian count to have potential have be force sensitive. And maybe we'll see that Omega display to that by the time the series wraps up. I could totally see that kind of being like one of the big payoffs of the season where maybe she does show that Ooh. she is force sensitive and that can go into it. But then also see, I gotta be honest, my mindset and speculation never went to where you, you went with connection to Ray and her father, but I kind of like where you're going with that because it, for me, how I kind of took it was obviously she holds the key to creating a, a replica of Palpatine that he would right. need. But the thing right. is 
he never they never really succeed in that as we see in the rise of skywalker the body that he was in was not ideal <laughs> and obviously and not to the right. perfection that he would obviously want it so i was thinking okay they have omega's blood but did they actually get to use it at all or maybe it'll be taken back mm-hmm. by the bad batch and palpatine never gets to use it and they were kind of trying to replicate even omega's blood on their own but never succeeded to getting that midi-chlorian mm-hmm. count to transfer over not degrade to the body but now what you mentioned it was like maybe after trying that in the way in many other ways to get a clone body with a high midi-chlorian count and that doesn't necessarily work either with omega's blood but they find another way to utilize it and that's where it comes into getting Ray's father where it's not necessarily a clone of Palpatine but like he has Palpatine's DNA strand and that's what they use to replicate um, or create right. this new person but that's what son. she is exactly yeah because that's so, what she is yeah she's exactly what Dathan is except she's a female as far as like she's not she's a direct descendant of of Django mm-hmm. but it's she's a female it's a kid that's exactly what Dathan is to yeah. Emperor Palpatine but you get, you get what I'm saying exactly like it's, yeah it's, uh-huh. it's it's Right, but they so need that could her be the blood. They turn to with her blood, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because I don't, because like I said, obviously, they're, I I don't predict her dying or being like a permanent like blood farm for Palpatine. Oh, that's no, not no. going to happen, and, it, and I don't want that to happen either. By the way, yeah, <laughs> because if um, that was the case, I think they would have succeeded. He would have the perfect clone body that he won. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel like, and that's why I think Necromancers is is keeps going on because they probably have only so many avenues to go down and maybe and maybe omega's blood is the last option yeah and that would make sense in the timeline Mm -hmm. and that because because they're building the snoke bodies we see that already happening we're assuming they're snoke bodies in the mandalorian so it feels like this is just another avenue for them to like we we're, we're keep experimenting but we'll eventually have a point to where like this if this is our last option we only we, we know this works we can only do it so much and maybe that's why baby yoda is so important too because we don't know his whole backstory and you know maybe they need that M- that midi chlorine count high to create that you know with conjunction with uh you know with the blood of omega because i feel i just feel like she's connected with dathan ray in some way like there's good like they are somehow connected and it feels like it, it makes a lot of sense if she's like like the glue that keeps it all together like it's not like she's the she is the midi-chlorine cow obviously but she's that she is the the conduit of helping get dathan created to mm-hmm. get to where palpatine needs but then when dathan doesn't display those force powers he has to keep him around just in case a pop-up or because as we're seeing with omega maybe they don't display right away yeah and maybe that's why they have to keep waiting. And maybe he knows, like, well, through her, there's, there's, they've got, to, I, there's, they could pass it on eventually too if he has a child or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yep. just it's this is this is to me where like this is where my mind goes. It feels it feels very obvious, but I mean everything I think obvious is in, in Star Wars and sequel trilogy did not go the way I thought, which it's a whole other podcast. But I just want to say I, it feels very obvious, which I love. But who knows if that's the truth, but it feels like this is the the route they're going. No, yeah, I really like that idea now <laughs> as you're talking about it. I'm thinking about it more where it would make sense 
for that being a possibility towards that. And like you said, not maybe displaying in the person that you thought it would right away. And in Dayton's case, not at all, but yet in his offspring, then that does come into play where it does like skip a generation type scenario where their kid would have it, even though he has the same or was taken from that same sample, didn't display it, but yet it would still have the potential to carry on. So it's fascinating stuff. And that's why I just love <laughs> this part of the reason why I love the stuff with cloning and star Wars. It's just, I find it so fascinating uh, for the uses it's had so far we've seen in the saga. This is just adding another layer to it, which I think is just really, really cool. Which I think is interesting too, because it, it bring we, we we talked about that too. I think in previous episodes where Omega demonstrates there is we've always talked about that she kind of demonstrates force abilities a little bit, like a little bit. Like there's kind of like kind of hints, but also like, well, is it really force ability? I don't know, you know, whatever. And I'll, and, and listen, I'm not saying everyone has to have the force, but it would make sense in this in this because. We talk, you know, people always talked about like the early Chlorians take out the the mysticalness of the force. No, it doesn't, nope. because I think, and again, the, in in my opinion, the strength of the sequel trilogy and and the Rise of Skywalker, it it really shows how like the Force chooses its, you know, obviously who it wants to go to and and to be that that midi Chlorian count actually matter, right? Like. Mm. You can try to manipulate it all you want, but I think why it works on Omega is because she is that empath. It, she is a good person, right? Like she demonstrates, like, like she's like she's gonna do great things with it, like help the clone army. Like it's almost like she's meant to do, help lead the clone army out of like it's you know confinement uh, as we get in confined, right? <laughs> um, and it feel, but but you see what I'm saying? Like it, in this episode. She's just, she's always wanting to like, you know, do the right thing. And I feel like there is the force at work there, you know, like it, it feels that it, if there's any clone that deserves the force, it's Omega, right? Like that's what no, it feels yeah. like. Mm -hmm. And it feels, so it feels like it'd be very, to me, in my opinion, it, it'd be more natural for her to get the force than like anyone like Rex, Cody, or Hunter or tech or whoever, Boba Fett. It makes more sense for Omega because there's some there's something special about her outright, yeah. And I think there's it, but it, it, as a person, you know. So to me, it all it all adds up to where like yeah, like you could they maybe they they tried to put the force in other clones and it didn't work, but it worked with with her and for a reason because you needed to have that to have that to help lead this other section of of the Star Wars universe. And it's like because we always assume too that how it's almost near impossible to create a clone with high midi chlorine count or a connection to the force and to have it be successful and this it would make sense like if there was a case it would be omegas and she would be the only one and but yet we'll see how the season ends but to where she ends up to where whether she's in hiding or whatever the case but it's never able to be replicated again as we see <laughs> by the time we get to the rise of skywalker and just what a hard thing it is to do and as uh, even Gideon tried to do it, it was never really successful or was able to see the fruits of his labors, if, even if it did work, as Mando destroyed them all before. <laughs> I think he had a chance to test them out. But just how hard of a task that is to do, and just the one time it was succeeded by Nala saying the Kaminoans was with Omega, but yet that knowledge is probably end up going to be lost or Omega chooses to be in hiding or whatever the case to not uh, have it be 
something that's to be utilized or to be studied even further and to have that what Nala say did to create Omega if that is the case where she does this play force abilities to able to do that again I think would be we'll probably find out by the time this series is over is knowledge that would be lost forever yeah exactly so so yeah that to me is what the heart of the episode really I mean for me that got me like perked up I mean I love seeing Omega um escape and with Crosshair, I love seeing them team up. They are such a great yep. team together, you know, um, because they're so yin and yang. And those are always the best stories when the two characters are so radically different, right? And they you can play off so much great dialogue and, like, scenes with them. That's why you do it, right? Um, to build character and tell a good story. And it, to me, this is all there. And seeing Crosshair... You see him start basically to me. You start seeing him degenerate, right? Like you're starting to see that come into play, and um, I just love the tension that they're building, and that, that they're they're going to be on their own path. And it's also just you know kind of it's interesting because I like this idea of them separated, like with Hunter and Wrecker, because mm-hmm. the Bad Batch was such a big you know, ensemble cast before, but now it's just Hunter and Wrecker, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. Echo will show up at some point. But like, yeah, he definitely will. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. Well, well, you know, yeah, right. But, but right. But like, it's so small now. I really appreciate that. I know that sounds really weird, but I like the fact we're focusing on these characters, like totally. at a time. And here's what I'm hoping for. I mean, not for the rest of the season, but maybe for the next episode or two. And maybe it's kind of good that Kyle's not here on this episode because he's got to see the first eight episodes. Yeah. So he knows. Yeah, you're Kyle. <laughs> but I'm kind of hoping that we have an episode or two where it's just Crosshair and Omega on their own going to like another planet, trying to reach Hunter and Wrecker, but yet they get caught up in another adventure that they have to work through together. I'm kind of hoping they do have one more thing or one more adventure where it's not just they're, they escape from Tantus in the next episode. They immediately meet up with Hunter and Wrecker again. I think it'd be really cool to establish their relationship that they're building even further because it was great. As you said, in this episode right here as Omega finally is able to break crosshair out and they get to their escape and just to see how they work together and they do did work really well. And I just love even the banter that they have was great where, uh, where crosshair acts or if uh, you memorize one of their plans, I forget the exact number. I think it was 76, 77. Oh, I can't remember exactly, but uh, Omega just says, yeah, tech had me memorize all of them. He's all like, uh, of course he did. <laughs> but yet, they executed it perfectly and they were able to get commandeer that shuttle and take it for themselves when it just felt like all hope was lost. And again, just as crosshair, as you said, is that facade that he's had is melting away and just showing that he does really care for Omega on two fronts where he said in the first episode, he wouldn't hesitate to leave her behind if he saw a chance to escape in that moment where there is running out in the forest and she trips and falls he just immediately goes to help her up and try to figure out what their next plan is. Obviously not even thinking about leaving her there. They didn't even give that, like make that a choice to where you're wondering, Oh, what's Crosshair going to do is he, like, he stares at her and wonders if she's just leave. And no, he just went straight towards to help her up. And then where she thinks she failed and she apologizes to him saying, you know, I'm sorry. I thought this was going to work, but he just kind of comforts her and reassures her like, Hey, we got it this far and we're not, we're not done yet here. So just again, that the trust he's putting in her and just that relationship they've built just over the course of these two episodes, but yet 
we know a lot of time has passed and they really established that that was the case. And that's why I said before, I thought it was so well done and so important that they established that Omega was having those conversations with Crosshair with Sunlight on a daily basis to get them to the point where they're at now, where we see them escape. And I just kind of hope they develop that even further because I don't know, I had this prediction, I think last season when talking about like Crosshair as a character and the character arc that he's going to go on. And I think this could still be a possibility for the for the series where Hunter ends up dying by the time the series is over. I don't know how, but if it's a sacrifice or just something happens and then Crosshair kind of has to take over, maybe not only his place as the leader of what's left of the Bad Batch, but as that father figure for Omega moving forward wherever they end up. And I think those seeds of being planted already in this episode right here, where you, where you see that he would be able to do that and kind of take on that responsibility if need be. So I think I still hold on to that prediction. I mean, I would hate to see Hunter go, but um, I think that would be a very fascinating uh, journey for these characters to take for, especially where we saw Crosshair and Omega up into season, at the start of season one, and then to have it come full circle here to where he does end up being like that, last father figure that she's going to have. So um, just great stuff with those two characters. And I'm glad they both made it out because I was curious, are we going to see Crosshair make it out, but Omega is going to be left behind on Tantus. And then part of the story for the rest of the season is going to be the rest of the bad batch with Crosshair, go back there to rescue her. So, but that's out of the way now. And even Batcher's with them. So I do like that. They're going to have her as a companion um, and what adventures they'll have together. So just great stuff all around. And, of course, got to mention Palpatine. Um, we knew he was going to be in it from the trailers. Glad we didn't have to wait long. I <laughs> wasn't expecting it to be in the third episode, but I'm glad it was. And just, again, Ian McDermott back to voicing Palpatine just adds so much. Mm-hmm. And it's just great uh, seeing him here checking in on Project Necromancer, knowing what it means for him. And then also, too, with Hemlock, one thing I've noticed um, when his interactions with Palpatine is that He's like one of the very few characters who does not seem intimidated or afraid of Palpatine at all. Um, Because one thing I noticed, he just calls him emperor. He doesn't say my emperor or your highness or your excellency or something like that. It's just kind of a casual Mm -hmm. respects his title as emperor, but nothing more than that. So and then just the way he's kind of asking for things and can kind of see that the emperor sees how important he is. So. That is an interesting dynamic that we don't see from too many characters. Someone who's not intimidated or afraid of Palpatine at all is even trying to use it, use him for his advantage. So just great stuff all around. It was just such a really great episode to build up on just more Star Wars lore um, that we love so much. And then just some great interactions between all the characters throughout. It was just a great way. I mean, it was sad to see it end because you want to see and find out what happens more. But just a great way to end Um these first three episodes to kick off season three. Yeah. I, I think the season three with these three episodes together were, a, it was a really good like start. And again, like I, I think releasing them as three separate episodes is probably a smart, you know, a smart thing overall um, instead of making it one long movie. Cause I think people would be like, it's too long, you know, but I think making it be three different segments makes it a lot easier for people to like, you know, stop, go back i can watch this episode come back and watch it you know tomorrow or next day or whatever um they, but to me to be honest too i think they flow together really well they do, um, yes. i just yeah you know it just I, I i gotta tell you i'm really thankful 
that the bad batch has really elevated itself from the previous season or the first season and has really, I, I like where it's going. And I like the fact that it's, it's shutting down after three seasons only because it's going to be a more tight contained story. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. And I, and, and I really can't wait to see what, what they do with, with the animation studios after this, because I feel like, you know, this is just giving us more, like I can't, and the same, and not just the same studio, um, right. You know, animation team, same animation style. It's incredible. But the writers too. I think the the writing staff they have on Bad Batch is really good, and I think they should probably, you know, if they, I'm assuming there's going to be some kind of Star Wars animated show after this, I would I keep those hope people. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> I would. Or if, or if 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 not, I hope those people get better jobs somewhere else because they deserve it. I really do think they they've done a f- fantastic job telling pre concise contained. Um, you know, pretty energetic stories without having to like go crazy and uh, get bonkers. And I just think that it's been really impressive on a show that's aimed for everybody. And when I say everybody, my three-year-old daughter is, you know, not in love with the show, but she can watch it. Like it's, she's intrigued, you know, it's interesting enough. And I, I think that again, it just shows the power of Star Wars that I can sit down and want to. I can't listen. I love Spider Man. He's my favorite fictional character of all time. I don't enjoy sitting down watching Spidey and his amazing friends. Straight up, <laughs> I don't love it. That's a bummer. It's not my favorite thing. It's like, it's. It, I mean, it's whatever, right? I don't care. It's not a big deal. Like Muppet Babies is more enjoyable to watch, but, and, and that that's a decent show. It's not. It's it, this, I'm giving you guys way too much information about this, but. <laughs> I'm saying all this because well, I wish Muppet we had. Babies I wish the original Muppet I'd... Babies was available to stream because that was yeah, the show back in the day. Never <laughs> gonna happen. Uh, yeah, that sucks. But yeah, I'm never gonna yeah. happen. But but um, the, the new show is not bad. But it's again the same formula as all these other ones. But Spidey and Amazing Friends just like it's just like. Eh. Whereas I go back to like again the whole all ages like Star Wars you know anyone can sit down I can watch that in like Young Adventures and actually enjoy it. You know, like, I'm like, yeah, this is actually not bad. Like, even Resistance would be like, if my daughter really liked that show and I don't love it, I could get, I, I can do it because it's Star Wars. Star Wars has that all ages, like, it just kind of has that ability to kind of like, kind of bypass the, where like the age demographic it's going for maybe and enjoy it because of things like, I look at Bad Bash because it's not necessarily meant for kids, but kids can kind of watch it. Yeah. And they can kind of get it, you know. And, and like, granted, like that's I'm not gonna. Star- my, my, my that's what Star Wars is in general. Yeah, how George preached that it yeah. should be, and Dave's continuing on too. That ultimately is for kids and all ages too. Yeah, like it shouldn't just be geared. Towards yeah, kids. you know, just the old, the just old geared like only us. towards kids. Yeah, yeah, it, it shouldn't be just geared towards only kids, or shouldn't be geared towards only adults. You know, really find that that it's for kind of you know everyone kind of enjoy it. You know, to some degree. And I think that Star Wars always toes that line pretty well. I mean, there's exceptions. Obviously, you have like things aimed at real little kids, like Young Jedi Adventures. Then you have like Andor, right? Which I think my daughter won't probably be into until she's in freaking, in my opinion, middle school because <laughs> it's so complex and 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 so like yeah. tedious in a good way. Everyone says like this show's the best. And I still tell people, I oh, agree, disagree. Um, and I, I think it's really good. It's not the best. You know, people I think look at it like it's aimed at a mature audience and they say it's the best. It, it should be the best, but that's not the case in my opinion. But anyway, it's not, that's a different podcast. Um, but again, 
for the most part, it's for everybody. I think Bad Batch toes a really good line of of, of, of something. You, know, so you can kind of watch it, like, and not like think this is complete garbage, right? It's like, oh, it's actually pretty fun. Like, it's it's interesting. So, these three episodes are great. Um, I to be honest, you know, I of course I knew you were gonna love it, right? Like, I I knew that all out the bat. <laughs> it, it had to be like resistance level, like bad. And even make you go like, yeah, I don't know about this. I don't know. I didn't hate them, but they were great. I, I was waiting for something like that. But you're like, oh, I love their episode. They keep getting better and better every episode. I'm like, that's not to be surprised from someone like Tim Jarossi here. But yeah, but. sometimes I wonder how like people who know me obviously know. You could call me a Star Wars apologist. It's probably true. But like, how much stock do people take me and praising someone from star wars because i do it quite often i mean it's genuine i'm not gonna lie but because i just love star wars so much it'll take a lot for it to for me to actually kind of not be happy with it yeah well and, and but i say that because when i sat down and watched these episodes i was genu- genuinely surprised how much i enjoyed them and um i really dug um just just again the storytelling it's it really it really does carry from season two to uh season three without missing a beat in fact really enhancing even more i think i think they they look at the um the uh the episode is it the the clone cadet or is that the episode what's it called from season two that was great um there, there's two of them is it the, the solitary clone and the solitary clone al- that's what the yeah. outpost the outpost is actually I yeah think, solitary um, clone it might be a little better than the solitary clone I mean, I'm not going to argue that because I think it's a lot. It's really, I think the episode's great. I think Solitary Clone is great because it's very atmospheric, more so than the than the, the second one, if I remember correctly. Um, and I think there's just an artistic approach to that, that I really appreciated. And but it feels like they took like all those elements of those best episodes of that season, Tim, and are really retooling that even further in these season. Like, Oh, people like those episodes. Like they probably, there's only a couple of them that are kind of like that. And they gave us two. It feels like we've gotten two of those already with confined and shadows of Tantus. Like they're not, I wouldn't compare them to that level, but they're in that same vein, if that makes any sense. And it really, at least more confined, especially that's the first episode, which I think is a really interesting tell um, to me saying we're going to lean into that maybe a little bit more this season. Hopefully they do, because I think stuff like the solitary clone atmospheric storytelling, which like confined was in some ways is give me more of that. Give me some action, but give me more of that. And I think it just, I think we're already seeing that in the season. I think it's been, been fantastic. Yeah, I would agree. And again, I haven't seen the other episodes past this, but not only just from Kyle, but on Twitter from what I've seen this, everyone's been praising those first eight episodes of the season and just saying it's like really great stuff. Um, I've seen some say it's the best yet. And so far I'm inclined to just based off these three episodes, I can see why. And I think the best is yet to come. Uh, for the remainder of the season but yeah it's off to a great start with these first three episodes and just can't wait to see <laughs> how the rest of the season plays out yeah no i i think it's great so um did we do any uh um uh polls or anything any messages from social media uh we got one response from star wars junkie on twitter um saying he loved the episodes um he goes on to say loved it i love how there is a dark creepy vibe to it this or they did this like a film not a cartoon i wasn't expected to like it 
but this is going to make the sequel trilogy better like the clone wars made the prequel trilogy better just kind of go along to what you were saying earlier paul like laying down those groundwork and stuff that we see eventually later on in the sequel trilogy that's going to be you know shed more light on and just enhance everything that we've gone before which is great so yeah glad you loved it as well star wars junkie and this i just love all the positive reactions i've seen for these episodes and just like i said those who got to see the first eight and just what a great reaction it's gone just making me excited for what's to come but at the same time too for the three episodes that we've seen that a lot of other star wars fans seem to enjoy it just as much as we have yeah. So, um, again, if you want, if you're waiting for Kyle's, you know, opinions uh, and thoughts on these three episodes, go check out the Rebel Cells uh, Thundercrack podcast, uh, other show or or flagship show. Would that would that be their flagship show? I'm not sure anymore. Um, well, technically, the Thundercrack is, podcast but... is the flagship show of the Thunderpack. Is it? Fun? Okay. See, I'll, I always go with, with the the OG Rebel Cells. Yeah. So <laughs> because that was an offshoot of Clone Wars, you know, all that stuff, you know, Clone Wars podcast, all that, all that good stuff. Anyway, but go check it out there. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Cal will be back probably and more than likely on the next episode, which I'm not sure what will be the topic or what will be focused on. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a, a, a acolyte uh, reveal as far as the release date. But we'll something. obviously be reviewing some more episodes. Yeah. View, review more episodes of Bad Batch as we get them. Here in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, uh, I guess we're going to wrap it up here. Go follow us on social medias on uh, the song continues uh, Twitter. Uh, we, do we have an Instagram? No, it's a long story where Kyle set one up, but then it got taken down. Like he had trouble getting it back up again. So that's something that he's going to try to do again eventually. But just oh my God. on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. And then at Facebook, we have our Facebook page there, which doesn't quite get updated as much which you can blame blame me on but twitter is where we get all our interactions out with everyone so there's that or and then, of course no it's always going to be twitter here <laughs> so. dead name don't dead name don't dead name x okay <laughs> oh god oh, all right this x formula twitter that's, that's <laughs> the best way to do it formula twitter it's, it's i feel it's the best of both worlds i hate I calling guess. it x too i ain't gonna lie but anyway and then, um, and then of course emails if you want to send us an email at star wars tsc at gmail.com yes so um i guess i will i will be able to say my my famous uh godspeed rebels uh line but uh all right thanks for listening everyone and uh may the force be with you see you next time everybody bye-bye <laughs>